Welcome to Generation Swap. We're your hosts, Dana Hebriard and Cindy Camp. Today, we're talking with Gleaves Whitney, Executive Director of the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Foundation. He's the former director of Grand Valley State University's Howenstein Center, where he worked with many college students in the Cook Leadership Academy. Preshta Torijan is a Cook Leadership Academy participant and is studying political science and pre-law at Calvin University. Preshta grew up in Afghanistan. Welcome to Generation Swap, Gleaves and Preshta. Thank you so much, Dana. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Well, let's start out by having each of you tell us a little bit about yourself and your life journey. Gleaves, would you like to start? Well, I, I think the, uh, the great thing about this program that you have here is it's an opportunity really to get to know about the connection between people. Why, Cindy, why is it that people are able to connect? And that's what's important in anything about the background that I would say. One thing is I've, I've always been interested in international relations. The geography of the world is fascinating to me. All the variety of, you know, in the human geography, the variety of people, the ethnic groups. So one of my undergraduate concentrations back at Colorado State in the 1970s, and I know I'm dating myself, was to study intensively what it was like, for example, in, in Asia, in South America, places that don't, where the, maybe the customs, the, the cultural context is very different from ours. So I've always had a fascination with that. And uh, I think that's, that's going to help in our conversation today in that I'm just naturally curious. And also um, I'm sensitive to the fact that people in other countries do not either have the constitutional uh, structure that we have or the unwritten constitution that we have, the cultural background that makes it possible for them to enjoy peace and the rights that they are God-given and entitled to. So that's a big part of my background. Uh, just technically a couple of things about my, my uh, professional path. Um, I came to Michigan uh, for the first time, basically to go graduate school at the University of Michigan. And I studied history, uh, European intellectual history at that time. And then I had the opportunity to work for a governor for the next 11 years. And then I worked at the Hauenstein Center for Presidential Studies that you mentioned, Cynthia, uh, for gosh, 11 and no, 17 years at the Hauenstein Center. And uh, now I'm at the Gerald R. Ford where we have a platform to do a lot of good work you know, really, I think in every role I have been in, I've regarded myself as an educator and as somebody who has the opportunity to heal when the circumstances warrant. Well, thank you, Gleaves. Freshta, would you tell us about yourself? Yes, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. It's definitely an honor to be here. So thank you so much. I'm a global human rights activist from Afghanistan and I'm the founder of So True Products. And I you know, grew up in Afghanistan and went through a lot of experiences um, that you know, dealt with a lot of terrorism and kidnappings and a lot of daily murder threats. Um, but all of those experiences shaped me into being a justice fighter. And today I focus on how I can you know, fight for those same basic rights that were abused when I was growing up, um, but how I can get them for you know, the next generation, the current generation, so that, you know, 
not that just Afghanistan is a better place, but the world itself. And I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about So True, because not too many college students have already started an organization. What What is So True? Yeah, thank you. Um, so at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when all the schools shut down, I, um, you know, we all had to go back to our homes and I came here with my adopted family. And I remember one day I was just sitting and I was sipping tea and doing my homework, but I could not ignore the news about how the pandemic was affecting the elderly so bad. But on top of that, the homeless were also the other vulnerable group. And, you know, growing up part of my life, I have been homeless myself. So I have struggled and I understand what it's like to not have the necessary resources that you need. And so um, I came up with a list of, you know, things and ways that I could help the homeless population. And the only realistic thing was for me to make masks for them. So um, I started using the Goodwill pile from my, you know, family's collection and I started sewing masks. Um, and sewing is such a big skill that you're almost every single girl in the country's like has to know, grow they have like grow up to know and so I was like why not use my basic skills to you know just start making masks and so so true started with you know the focus on making masks for the homeless population um, and so when more people found out um, you know they wanted to purchase it and um, so I finally started you know turning it into um, a nonprofit where anybody could purchase masks not just for themselves and for their loved ones but they could make the purchase and then I would be the one distributing the masks to the homeless population on top of hygiene products and different food items on their behalf. Well, I know you both met through the Cook Leadership Academy. Would you tell us about your initial getting to know each other? And I remember the first day we were at our orientation and um, during one of the breaks, I walked up to Freshta and started a conversation with her because you know she's a very easy person to talk to. And she has that smile and she has a very welcoming personality. So found out that she was from Afghanistan. In fact, I made the mistake when she initially, we, there were also, there was a veteran. And Freshta and I are gonna laugh about this. There was a veteran standing there too. So I said, oh, you both have served in Afghanistan. <laughs> and Freshta said, no, I'm, from Afghanistan. So it was just kind of a, it was, it was a light moment. But of course, then the conversation turned much more serious as I learned more about Freshta's background, uh, the ethnic group that she belongs to, uh, some of the trials that she and her family have been through. And I just immediately, I thought, wow, what courage. I'm, I'm, I'm standing looking at the face of courage. And I just admire her from the get-go, uh, what she has been through. She has a character and a personality of resilience. Knock Freshta down, she will stand back up and she will do the next right thing. And I just so admired that about her. And I thought, and, and Cindy, you mentioned this earlier, it's the Cook Leadership Academy at the Howenstein Center that I established back in 2004, the, the Cook Leadership Academy. And, and I just thought this is the perfect representative and the fact that she was from another university, she was at Calvin, but we were at Grand Valley. I thought, wow, she has so much to bring to us. 
and shows the best of what a young leader who is committed to a really strenuous service, a strenuous definition of service has to offer. So that was the, the first encounter with Freshta. And, and so then, you know, we met for coffee uh, sometime after that and got to know each other better. And we've talked periodically and I'm a great admirer of hers. And I'm, you know, I, I told her, I said, I think I'm working for you because I'm trying to figure out ways to, to further some of the things that you're passionate about. So we're big fans of Freshta at the Cook Leadership Academy and at the Ford Presidential Foundation. Well, your story is just so amazing and it's evident that you've developed this friendship uh, along the way. So I'd love to know what makes that mentoring relationship work or as we call it, the swap mate relationship. Like, you know, what are your shared interests and values? And, and Fresta, if you wanna talk a little bit about kind of how, how, how have you gained um, from this experience? Um, so I guess going back to what Gleaves already shared at the orientation, I remember he was, you know, sharing about the Hounstein Center and Ralph Hounstein and um, just, and then the way that he himself, you know, had served in so many ways and just the amazing things that he had. And just, you know, from the first few minutes that he was presenting, I just, I was just so um, amazed and I was just admiring his character. Um, you know, to me, he came off as someone who had such a big heart for to see young leaders and do such big things. And just, you know, hearing what he had to share. Um, I remember I said, I texted someone, you know, during that break during orientation, I was like, I just heard such a great speaker. And this is who I want to be in the future. Um, and I remember I even wrote a little paper for one of my assignments for, a, for one of my classes. I was like, yes, um, there's this person named Gleaves Whitney and um, he has just been just so moving. And I think it's, it was just very encouraging um, from me. I think for, for me, it's um, very important to pick certain people that I look up to and Gleaves from the very first day has been that person. Um, and then after that, just seeing how he would take his time to just really get to know like the students at the Cook Leadership Academy. He would go around and you know just talk with them and just get to hear their interests and um, share about you know how he could connect them with different sources and what how he could help. And so to me, that has been just so motivating. And that's the role that I want to step into to, you know, pass it on to other people. Gleaves, what about you? Well, I, one of the joys of teaching is that it, uh, it gives us the opportunity to engage deeply with somebody at the level of their values. And I've always been fascinated, all, going all the way back to when I was studying geography and history, in what happens when there is a clash of values. You know, we can assume that when everybody's basically getting along and there's not much conflict, that things will unroll pretty smoothly. But what happens when there's a clash? And so you learn at an early age, eloquent listening. Mentoring requires eloquent listening. You know, we usually obviously associate the word eloquent with speaking, but the eloquent listening part of this is, 
really important to develop for anyone interested in servant leadership and the ability to teach. So I approach mentoring from the fact, from the standpoint that I am going to learn from anybody I mentor and that God gave me two ears and one mouth and it's a good thing to listen. I, I love your observation about how this can be such a mutual kind of relationship. I think often we think of the mentor as the one who's imparting wisdom and that the mentee is the one who's receiving, but you know, there certainly can be um, benefits that go in both directions. So thank you so much. I wanna just pause so I can reintroduce both of you. Uh, with us today, Gleaves Whitney, Executive Director of the Gerald R. Ford Foundation and the former director of the Grand Valley State University Howenstein Center, where he worked with college students at the Cook Leadership Academy. Freshta Torijan is a Cook Leadership Academy participant and is studying political science and pre-law at Calvin University. Freshta grew up in Afghanistan. So let's, let's shift gears and talk about childhood, which we find is often one of the most fascinating periods of people's lives to explore. Wondering if there was anyone in your life when you were growing up who encouraged you to really think deeply about who you believed you were and what you wanted to do with your life. Uh, Leaves, would you start? Well, let me be frank. I'll put my cards on the table. My friends know that I'm like this. I had a very broken and I would say tragic childhood. It was an unhappy childhood. And I think that that kind of a childhood out of that, you, you learn to empathize with people early on. If there's, and so there are many blessings that can come out of something like that, of, um, of a very damaged home environment. And so um, I usually don't talk about it. I don't like to draw attention to that in myself, but I do think it is, it, it, it sets the precondition for me to be able to talk to people and, and have that eloquent listening because I will learn from them. And there is a, there's a common humanity that is expressed in the courage and the resilience that I see in young people who have to break out of whatever their home, however they define, is their home a geographic nation? Is it a community that has been impacted? Is it goes right into the extended and nuclear family? Or is it internal, a demon they have to face? And, um, you know, it's teaching gives you the opportunity to establish that very empathetic relationship. Um, I don't think I've talked to Freshta actually about the brokenness of my childhood, more than a, maybe a half sentence or something, but it certainly set the precondition for me to, to be um, a very uh, willing and happy mentor to have such an incredible person in Freshta to talk to, because I can tell you something, no matter how rough my childhood was, it's nothing compared to what Freshta has been through. Freshta gives me strength and courage because I see, wow, some, this young woman has been able to come through what she's come through with such strength and resolve to make the world a better place. I mean, it's just inspiring. It really is. That I also had a very um, year is that you have like just received that strength and courage from each other and that that shared resilience. Uh, Freshta, I'd love to hear a little bit from you as well. Yeah, well, Gleaves, thank you so much. Um, 
you know, like you said, I didn't really know about that. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I just really respect that so much. And just how you came through that and with such a wonderful character and just such a loving energy, challenging childhood. And there was just um, a lot going on, so many different factors that I'm not really sure to, you know, what to even focus on. But most of my childhood, there was always just so much um, persecution and violence. And um, so I belong to the, um, I guess, the gender minority, but also the ethnic minority in the country. And that, that just made my childhood just very difficult. You know, on top of the security and um, situation that's happening, you know, with all the terrorism and everything. So. Um, I grew up always having to kind of put up like this, you know, find a strength where I was able to battle with all of that persecution and discrimination. So um, my ethnic group is Hazara. So we are the minority ethnic group and we went from being the majority in the country to now being um, the minority. And because we have been facing a genocide for centuries and which has been led by the government. And, you know, there's so much racism and um, just so much discrimination in the education system to where, you know, Hazara history is wiped out from the history books. All there is about Hazaras and those books are that Hazaras um, have always been slaves, that we, uh, because we, you know, the majority ethnic group is, um, Shia, that they should be um, killed and murdered and hanged and slaughtered, everything. And I mean, I remember when I was in fourth grade, they carried out this huge massacre and they, you know, attacked all these Hazara towns. They pulled out children, you know, with their, just their whole families, blindfolded them, just slaughtered them and threw, dumped their bodies on the sides of the road. And some of those massacres have been led by governors of different provinces in the country. So, you know, that really affected me in so many ways. But I, you know, part of me is just very thankful that I was able to witness that and experience that because I feel like if that hadn't been, you know, part of my story, I don't think I would have been um, as passionate to fight for justice. Um, you know, like every morning I wake up, that's, you know, one of my reminders, why am I doing, what am I doing? It's because I don't wish to, for anyone to have the same childhood that I did. You know, I don't want to wake up again for another child to know, to think that a graveyard is their playground. That is not what childhood should be like. You should have access to education. You should be able to play without, you know, a landmine, um, blowing you up and you know just so many other things um but my childhood definitely helped me grow and um just really pursue justice i mean may i just add something i mean now you see you you realize what you know what freshta has been through and um how a person comes through that, 
I mean, I will say it, she probably will not want to say it, but she has post-traumatic stress. She lived with that. And, you know, she's come through that, not saying, you'll never hear Fresh to say, oh, pity me. Uh, gosh, I've been through so much. It's always in the context of, I'm going to do something in this world to make it better so that those children do not come through that. And that's one of the things I really admire for it. There's, there's no self-pity in Freshta. And I hope you will ask about her niece, her 11-year-old beautiful niece, uh, Tabasum, and how that, that is an excellent example of how Freshta has turned the energy of, of all of the trouble that she experienced in childhood and that persists to this day that she, you know, she could tell you the horrible things that are happening right now to her family. But she has turned all of that energy, not to hate, not to revenge, but to a productive, loving, how do we make this better? And, and that's, again, one of the, the great qualities she has. So <laughs> now you see why she mentors me. So Freshta, maybe if you would tell us about your niece, because it sounds like you in turn are being a, a mentor or a role model for her. We'd love to hear about that relationship. Oh, thank you. Um, so Tabasum, I started raising her in fourth grade. So she's very dear to my heart. She's like my baby, my child. Um, and I left her when she was three years old. Um, so that was just very, very, very heartbreaking for me. That was probably the hardest goodbye for me. Just, you know, me walking to the airport and just like hearing her cry and just like call my name. It was absolutely heartbreaking. But she is the reason that I wake up every morning and I then that's how I find my motivation because of this sweet, sweet girl. You know, she just she's um, she'll be 11 on Sunday. And, you know, just by this age, she has already done so much, changed so many lives. She has stepped into the role of mom in her family. And she has been, you know, she's taught herself to already speak three different languages. And she is, you know, on top of that, she's teaching her younger siblings because over the past few years, she hasn't been um, able to go to school because of so many security reasons. And, um, you know, just, just seeing the independence that she has and the type of leadership that just comes out so naturally. You know, she makes all these self-sacrifices every single day that I don't even see a lot of people around my age, you know, doing. Um, and she has just this amazing character which she never gives up. And, you know, whenever I talk to her, she tells me how she has this big vision for the country that she wants, you know, her generation to be the leaders that can fix the systems in the country. See, she's just so motivated, but it's just been, you know, over the summer, I started to take, you know, a more of a guardian role for her, just especially with, you know, finances and um, so that's been a little hard trying to take care of her while she's on the other side of the world. And so, um, you know, I would love to see her expand her leadership in so many ways and just really be able to, you know, bless and just bless others and make such a great impact in every community that she's a part of. 
who would not want to be associated with Freshta? Yeah. Well, and it sounds like we really don't, um, I think, look to young people enough for leadership and for strong um, moral authority. But your niece and, and you as well, Freshta, are wonderful examples of that. I want to follow up with a question about values and ask each of you what value or guiding principle would be important to you today? I think it, it begins certainly with integrity. There, there has to be a sense of inner worth and you have to be true to your values. And you have, to, if, if you promise things to other people, you have to deliver. Um, I think compassion I think compassion is so important because, you know, just look at how often we encounter somebody in the supermarket or at the filling station and, you know, maybe they're crabby and our first instinct is just to snap back at them. And, but, you know, you don't know what kind of day they've had. You don't know what kind of life they've had. And it's important, you know, to give people the benefit of the doubt, uh, to work with them. And um, I've learned that over the years that, when I was so, when I was younger and felt so confident that, oh, I've figured that person out and I've learned it's so important to be humble in the face of the majesty of another human person. Think of that. A human person you encounter and they have all of these experiences that they've had. You don't have a clue what they've been through. And to try to be humble enough to withhold judgment, but to work with them and to support them when you can. If, and, and of course, sometimes people have their walls up and they can. And I'm not saying you should be in a you know, psychologically um, unhealthy enabler or anything like that. But you know, compassion and, and humility and integrity, those are sort of at the core. And I'll say this about justice, and Freshta understands this. Truth is important because you cannot address injustice unless you know the truth of what has happened. And that value of no matter how difficult it is to find the truth, no matter how difficult it is to hear the truth, truth is also one of those values that you have to possess so that you know what justice looks like in response to the injustice that has occurred. I definitely agree with all of that. It was very moving. Um, I think for me, you know, in addition to everything that Gleaves just mentioned, for me, it's always, I've always just valued learning and commitment. You know, all your, you know, I feel like learning is such a great experience. You know, like you are constantly learning every single day, you know, whether it's in school, whether you're learning about yourself, whether you're learning about your experiences, but, you know, how are you taking the things that you're learning from your experiences? Are you using it for good or are you using it for bad? And that's always, you know, just something that I have always um, found very important. And then on top of that commitment, you know, once you do have all this knowledge of, the, of truth, of your experiences and everything, all the lessons that you have gained, how are you going to, you know, make a commitment um, to yourself, to the society being, you know, a good member of society, a good global citizen, a good member of your community? How are you going to be committed to do good, to do well, to give back to the community that has 
given you so much to everyone that has poured into your life so much. Believes this question is just for you. Wondering what you know now that you wish you would have known when you were fresh to this age. I think we've touched on it a little bit. I think when I was younger, I, you know, we all have, we're, we're all very imperfect and, and we have to, I'm a very Aristotelian in this sense that we have to take some of the tendencies in our, our the nature we're born with, what, what we consider, oh, the, the authentic me, and we have to replace some of the, the not so desirable parts of our personality with a second nature. Um, and then hope that that becomes authentic. I'm always, I will say something that's not very popular these days, but I'm always a little wary when I hear people say, I'm being authentic. Well, but is your authentic self your best self? Have you worked on that? Have you had the humility to let other people guide you to say that there is a more productive way to deal, say, with conflict, or you could show a little bit more humility in the face of somebody you don't apparently like. Maybe they do have something to teach you. Listen, what, what can you receive there? So I, I wish that when I had been a younger man uh, and a teenager, that I had known those things. Again, coming from a, a little bit of a rough childhood, not comparing it to Freshta's by any means, but but coming from a little bit of a rougher childhood, I think I had a, a little bit of a shield and I had to present, I thought I had to present as somebody who knew my mind and who was strong, could not show vulnerability. You know, if I showed compassion, that might look weak. And I had to outgrow all of that. And I had to get rid of a kind of a tough conditioning from childhood and have things become second nature in that very Aristotelian sense. This has been such a grace-filled conversation. I mean, I, I've written down so many things, just the eloquent listening and um, just both of your stories of resilience. And I, I guess one, one final question is, what advice would you have for individuals who are listening um, about you know, mentorship or relationships or things that you would encourage moving forward? I think something that I find very important, you know, in my mentorship relationship has been, you know, finding someone that truly wants to invest in you, um, that really truly cares about your career, about your goals, and that they will, you know, make time and actually put in effort to help you succeed, to help you get connected with all the different resources you need to, and, you know, be there for you, not just professionally, but also there to um, just, you know, kind of talk about all the personal things that you're going through and um, just taking the time to really help you grow in whatever way that is. Um, and, you know, that's something that I have really valued and it's been such a blessing to see that and um, have that with Gleaves. So thank you. Well, I can thank you, Fresh. That's very, very beautiful for you to say that. And I, it would be hard for me to improve on that. I think one of the things that we did at the Cook Leadership Academy that really worked well, and it gets at what Fresha and I have been, I think, sharing with you and what we've shared with each other, is when we had Bob Quinn come over from the University of Michigan. He's one of the great leadership gurus of our age. Bob's a great guy, very smart about these things. 
And Bob puts people through um, a little exercise and basically within 15 minutes of his exercise, you know, he pairs you off, I should back up and say, he pairs you off with somebody that you might not think you would like or really want to listen to or, and so it, it takes what could be a little bit of a difficult situation or challenging. And, but he has this technique, he says, you know, tell three core stories. So you alternate telling three core stories about who you are, why you're the way you are and what you want to do with that why. And um, at the end of a 15 minute period, people who entered the exercise thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to reveal that to you, or I don't know if we want to be in any kind of that kind of a relationship. All of a sudden you find yourself, my word, we connect. They're, they're, all of a sudden I see ways that we connect that I did not see before. Maybe it's a geographic connection, maybe it's a religious connection, some kind of a spiritual, maybe it's a familial connection. There are all kinds of ways we discover then that we connect. And I think that the, the key for the mentor is not to be afraid of those connections of that conversation. And as Bob shows us, Bob Quinn, get right into it. Don't talk about the wet. Well, you, maybe weather is one of those connections. I mean, I love talking about the weather. It's so interesting outside, but maybe there are these other connections that you want to find and get right into it and then go from there. Well, thank you. We really appreciated our time with you. And um, Gleaves Whitney from the Gerald R. Ford Presidential Foundation and Fresta Tori Jan from Calvin University. This has just been wonderful. We're your hosts, Dana Hebriard and Cindy Camp, and we want to say a special thanks to our listeners. You can find Generation Swap wherever you can get podcasts or on our website, aquinas.edu slash Generation Swap. Please subscribe so you can get our newest episodes as soon as they're available. And we'll look forward to swapping stories again with you soon. Take care. There are endless listening options out there. Thank you for tuning into our unique podcasting space. It would mean so much if you would subscribe, rate, and review Generation Swap. Our show is sponsored by the Aquinas College Advantage Center. Our director is Dana Hebriard. Our producer is Sean O'Melia. The marketing coordinator is Bridget Avery. And our host is Sydney Camp. We're looking forward to swapping intergenerational stories with you again next week.